Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speak Lab podcast. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're having a great day. Hey, uh, as you may know, as hopefully you've been following along, we've been doing a series of these bonus podcast episodes. We've been doing these as Facebook Lives uh, on a regular basis and have been taking the the, uh, the conversations and, and discussions we've been having and sharing them here on the podcast. So this is one that we did recently with uh, Nisha Mehta. And we actually have a, a podcast we recorded with Nisha that's going to be coming out in a couple months. We referenced that. But uh, we wanted to do this Facebook Live to talk specifically about uh, the current situation and the COVID, current uh, COVID crisis. Uh, we'll just call it COVID crisis. But what was, uh, what was fun about Nisha is she's actually a physician. She has a, a great perspective from a, a healthcare perspective. Uh, she really has her hand on the pulse of the, the front lines. And so we just hear from her, like how long until events can come back? And what are the what are we looking at? How is there a vaccine in the near future? And how are events going to be different in the future? How she's thinking about her own speaking business. So uh, really good stuff to get to here with, uh, with Nisha. So uh, let's jump right in. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're having a great day. Uh, if you've been following along, we've been in a series of different interviews and conversations with those in the speaking industry, talking about uh, this COVID-19 situation and how it's affecting the speaking landscape. Obviously, it's had a dramatic impact. We've been talking with a lot of different speakers and those in the event side, uh, bureaus, and uh, all different uh, facets and angles that we're trying to, to come at this from. Uh, today, we've got a, a fun guest. We have Nisha Mehta, who is uh, joining us. And Nisha is not only a speaker, we actually just interviewed her for the podcast. That's going to be coming out um, in another couple months or so. So you want to look for that. Uh, but she's also a physician. So I figured she probably has a unique perspective on things right now being on the front line. So uh, Nisha, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So uh, this is weird. This is a weird world right now. So it how... is a crazy world right now. Yeah. And, and we'll, we'll have you on the we'll have you on the podcast. So yeah. uh, we'll dig into it more there. But um, to give people a snapshot, um, you're a physician, you wear a bunch of different hats, but what, uh, what is your role as a, as a physician? So I'm a radiologist and I basically, that means I do x-rays, MRIs, CTs, that whole, that whole shebang. Um, but yeah, so I, that's what I do clinically. And then on the other side of things, um, the other hats that you were talking about, I, I do do a lot of keynote speaking. I do that internationally. And then I also do a lot of community building amongst physicians. So I actually have two large online communities that have over basically about 90,000 verified physicians on those platforms. So I do a lot of interaction with physicians just about daily life sort of stuff, talking about business and finance, a lot of different things. Yeah. So not only are you, uh, again, actively involved as a, as a speaker, you're doing a lot of gigs yourself, but, uh, and you're a physician. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm assuming like radiology is one of those, is it somewhat elective where it's just kind of like, 
uh, it just kind of paused at the moment for the most part, uh, or well, how is it affecting you guys on the? So on that I mean, there's a lot of radiologists that are very busy right now if they're in major hospital center, like um, hospitals that are seeing a lot of volume right now because of COVID-19. So they're certainly seeing a lot of imaging, but um, yeah. across the board on a community level right now, imaging is down yeah. um, because we're not we're not sending people in to work up, you know how does that fracture look in terms of its stage of healing right now? We're just kind of assuming that a lot of that stuff is okay. So we're, we're a lot of the follow-ups that we normally do are not happening right now. So we're a little bit lighter on the clinical side right now. So part of what also makes you unique is, is in addition to you doing a lot of speaking, you are are well-connected, like you said, um, with a couple of different communities that you, you lead and guide of physicians. So you probably Mm -hmm. have a good pulse on a whole bunch of physicians across the world and kind of Mm -hmm. how things are going. So what are you hearing from the front lines? How are things going from your perspective? So it's a scary time. There's really no way to sugarcoat that, unfortunately. So um, what people are seeing on the front lines is is terrifying. I mean, people are, there's young people dying. There, There's a lot of people out there who think that this is an older person issue. It really isn't. We've had a lot of young deaths. Um, we are seeing a lot of people who are coming in with different symptomatology that's not even necessarily related to breathing. And so, and this thing is spreading fast. And so if you look at places like New York, really the stories coming out of New York are terrifying. I mean, and people are talking about it like it's a war zone because it feels like a war zone to those people. I mean, there's no resources. People don't have adequate protection. You know, multiple, there's been people who have taken care of multiple family members from the same family who actually end up passing away. And so it's, um, it's a really really scary time in, in healthcare in those areas that are very hard hit right now. And we may not feel that so much when we're sitting at home, um, just sort of staying in place. But but that's such an important piece right now to being able to allow us to have the bandwidth to deal with what we're dealing with on the front lines as physicians and as other healthcare workers. So um, yeah, I hope everybody that's watching this is doing their part and, yeah. you know, staying home, flattening that curve. Those are all good things. How, from your perspective, does it look like we are flattening the curve? Have we made any progress in that way? I think we are. Um, you know, there's a lot of good data that's coming out that's showing that things are slowing down um, in terms of the new, the number of new cases and the number of deaths even. Um, but that being said, we're not, we're not at the peak yet. And, things will, you know, we're certainly, let's say we hadn't implemented these measures right now, things would be a lot worse than they are right now. So it's hard to feel like things are good because things are still really, really bad, but, but they could be a lot worse. And so I think that it is important that we, you know, make sure that we maintain as much of that social distancing as possible so that we do keep that rate slow because right now we still, I mean, we don't have a treatment and we don't have a vaccine. So those are two things that are really scary, right? Um, the, the death rates from this are very high compared to other things that we've seen in the past. And it's really important to make sure that we um, treat it seriously, even though it might not feel like it when we're at home. So obviously we speak to a, a community of speakers who, you know, their world is live events and yes. uh, it's felt like just in an instant that all of a sudden live events have just it's disappeared crazy, right? um, and affecting just you happened. as well. Yeah, no, so quickly, right? Like I feel like one week I was out on the speaking trail and one week, I was like, wow, this is changing really rapidly. I should probably think about canceling some of these events. And three days later, it was like, there's no question you should be canceling these events. They're, they're done. You're out. You can't, you can't do this anymore. Um, And so I think a lot of us felt that I, you know, I, I remember as early as Monday of the first week that I was really worrying about this. Um, You know, I had an event live scheduled in Tampa on Thursday 
And on Monday, we were kind of like, ah, you know, like, are you giving any thought to maybe potentially canceling? But nobody was really speaking seriously about it. Yeah. Um, and that just, and then I, I had that immediately followed by another event on Friday, Saturday um, in Vegas. And so I was going to be going from one event to the other event. And I was talking to the organizers of both of those and saying, well, what are we doing? You know, things look like they're getting kind of bad. Um, and then by Tuesday morning, it was very clear that things were getting a lot worse. And that was just literally from Monday to Tuesday. I remember that, yeah. that, sentiment changing very rapidly. Um, and by Wednesday morning, I was like, that's it. I'm not, I'm not getting onto a plane. And so, um, you know, cause I didn't want to bring it either. Like I'd been working right. clinically and I was like, how do I work and then get on a plane? You know, I was working on Wednesday yeah. and I was like, what if I get this on Wednesday and bring it to everybody on Thursday and then bring it to everybody on Friday, Saturday, you know, the Friday, Saturday event had 800 people yeah. that were there. Um, and, and the Thursday event was a little bit smaller, but it still had 150 people. And I was like, I can't be the vector either um, yeah. for the situation. And so the Thursday event, the event organizers were great about, um, they actually let me, as soon as I said that to them, it was a non-physician crowd. Yeah. Um, and as soon as I kind of voiced my concerns, they were like, well, how do we get you to zoom into this conference and give your keynote that way. Right. Um, and they were really great about it. And my deal with them is that when they have an event in the future, you know, so they, they still paid me, which I thought was amazing because yeah. it was obviously a very, I mean, you guys are all speakers, you know, it's a very different experience when you're there in person versus um, over a live stream, but um, they still paid me. And the, the deal we worked out there was that, you know, I would do another event for them um, in the future when it was a more appropriate time yeah. to do so. Um, so that worked out well. And then the Friday, Saturday event, I just ended up canceling because I just, I, I wasn't, to me, the idea of a lot of people getting together and the chances that somebody wouldn't have it or, you know, um, and I think I was talking, I was thinking in the back of my head about the Biogen conference, right? And we all know how that turned out in terms right. of spreading COVID all over yeah. the country, really. So, um, so, and certainly all over Massachusetts. So, um, so yeah, I, I think that there's a lot of responsibility there. Um, and it's hard because you're the speaker, right? You're the main event, you know, the Thursday event, I was the only speaker um, and I was the main speaker. Um, and so a lot of people had come to that conference to meet me. And I, there's a lot of responsibility there that you feel sure. in terms of like, well, you know, they all came, they all got on a plane and came right. to the place and now I'm not going to show up. Um, and so I think that was a really hard decision to make. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of you had to make the same decisions there where you kind of had to be like, well, what, what comes first, you know, or do I take the risk of bringing this back to my family if I go or right. any of those things? So um, as you know, it, it kind of, it evolved very rapidly. And I think, you know, I had another six or seven events lined up for this season that are obviously not happening um, anymore. And so um, it's it's kind of a big deal. And I think for a lot of us, you know, if that is your primary source of revenue, it's stressful because you don't really know yeah. when it's coming back. So, so to that end, uh, can you yeah. look into your magic crystal ball and give us some sense of like, when does it like, cause it's, and it's hard to know again, nobody has any idea how this is going to play out. You know, yeah. I think even a, you know, a month and a half, two months ago, we would have never thought we'd be in this situation and yeah. we have no idea what the world's going to look like a month or two months from now. Yeah. Um, but for so many speakers who that is like a, a high percentage of their, mm -hmm. their personal income yeah. and we're just kind of going, 
okay, so when right. do we get back to normal? And it doesn't feel like necessarily there's going to be a, you know, a, a Monday morning press conference and whoever says like, all right, you're good to go. Let's pick right. back up where we were. Like, I, who knows how this is going to play out, but from your perspective as a physician who yeah. is talking with a lot of physicians, who's kind of seeing this, uh, coming at it from a medical perspective, when can we expect that live events will happen again? Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's a few questions. Um, not only when will live events be able to happen, but how big will they be allowed to be for yeah. a while? Right. Um, so I think, you know, at some point we have to go back to normal. That's just, you know, you can't stay closed forever. Um, so in my mind, I mean, I'm still booking events for the fall and hoping, fingers crossed, that they're going to happen. Um, now, do I think that they're going to happen in the same way by the fall? Probably not. I think a lot of them are going to start restricting, you know, how many people are there in person, how many people can gather in person. A lot of event spaces are saying right now, like, you know, we're only committing to booking events for 100 people or less because we don't think that we're going to be allowed to have, you know, 200, 300, 400 maybe thousands of people, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think more likely than not, when we sort of ease back into reopening, um, a lot of these events are gonna be smaller to start with, um, just conservatively. And there's gonna be a larger virtual component, I think, for a lot of these events. Um, and that's gonna be pushed pretty hard by people until I think we have a vaccine, honestly. So I don't really know, you know, it's hard to believe that this will be the way things are for the next year, or a you know, year and a half, but yeah. I think people are going to be pretty cautious, at least for that first six months, six to eight months as we as we roll this out and we sort of see what that second peak looks like once we open up um, borders again. I mean, not borders, but open up like sure. the gates for, for people to the be economy. out of their houses, yeah. right? Um, like once we open that up again, there probably will be a second surge. And I think the intensity of that second surge is going to dictate how aggressively people enforce um, you know, how, how many events we're allowed to have. So I don't think anybody's going to talk about big events until we see that what happens when we do that slow reopening and see what happens with that second surge. Cause I think that's what a lot of the medical community is really worried about with the reopening right now is just, you know, is it going to come back with a vengeance the minute that we allow people to come out and is it going to be even worse? Cause if you look back, I mean, this is historical, but if you look back at the 1918 Spanish flu, Right. The second, the surge after they reopened was a lot worse than um, when the initial, the initial bit. And so that's yeah. what we're all afraid about is, is what happens um, afterwards when everybody's been cooped up for so long and so eager to just go hug their neighbor, like what yeah. happens in that situation. Right. right. Um, so I, I don't think that anybody should make any plans um, for anything to change within the next few months. I don't think that that's going to happen. I think, um, probably within the next few weeks, we're going to start seeing things reopen a little bit. And, um, and I think people are going to watch really carefully to see what the effects of that are before they start committing to bigger events. I mean, I don't know what, what experience have you had so far with people saying what they're doing with events? Cause right now, at least in the medical world, um, everybody's postponing, you know, I had a conference that I was going to do in October and they've already moved to a virtual even for October. Um, yeah, no, it's, it definitely sounds like, um, 
for the especially for the bigger events that there's just a there's a lot more liability there's a lot more risk you know there's no insurance um company that wants to take on the the liability or the risk of having you know a thousands or a thousand people at an event. And like you said, yeah. sometimes it's even the venue who said, we can certainly support thousands of people here, but we have to cap it at, you know, 500 right. and just kind of protect our own side, which is understandable, which is realistic. So yeah. um, do you feel like that, that we, it cannot possibly get back to normal um, or some semblance of normal in terms of events until there's a vaccine? I, I wouldn't say that. I think that we're too impatient as a society to yeah. wait that long. <laughs> Um, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it. Um, but, but I think, uh, I think that the first six to eight months is going to be very slow. I think that, you know, people are going to be listening to their government officials and, and everybody's terrified of having to do this again in terms of a shutdown again. So yeah. I think it's going to be a while before any, um, health authority is going to tell, you know, government officials or advise government officials that, that they should be fully reopening up to normal. Um, so I think what you're going to start seeing first is, you know, let's try out what happens with the restaurants and let's try what happens with the movie theaters and, and let's see what happens there before we start talking about allowing really large events um, to happen. So I think probably realistically, in my head, at least I'm planning on no significant fall speaking season. Um, and oh. I'm a little bit biased by the fact that I speak in the medical space and I think they're gonna be exceptionally conservative, obviously, yeah. um, in regards to this. So in terms of the regular, everybody else, I would say the summer is gone. Um, and then and then really what what happens is gonna be maybe September, you know, when, when things start heating up a little bit again in, in small test doses. But yeah. again, like you said, I'm looking into my crystal ball here that is based on nothing, but you know, what I what I see happening around me and what what I the discussions that I'm hearing um, when I talk to public health officials and stuff like that. So, um, do you think yeah. uh, do you think schools will reopen in the fall? I hope so. <laughs> um, uh, I I think they will. Um, I again I just I think that there is only so much that you can keep things closed before yeah. there has to be um, some, you know, some degree of risk and some degree of let's see what happens. And the hope of course, is that we have some form of her herd immunity before then that's really preventing um, yeah. things from escalating rapidly when it does. But, you know, the kids, ki younger kids really haven't had much in the way of COVID related morbidity or mortality. And I think, uh, I think people are going to start pushing that, a lot harder. Now, the question is, of course, you know, what individual families will decide based on their situations in terms of whether or not they'll send their kids to school, because if you've got grandparents living with you, for example, right. you might not want your child. So I, I kind of wonder if there'll be some sort of hybrid reopening where the kids that want to go to school will be there, but there'll still be some virtual options. I think a lot of that is going to depend on what happens, you know, in the next month or two, once we you know, as we see what happens when we start opening things up again and, and how badly we surge. Right. Um, but if we don't surge that badly, then I, I anticipate school will open in the fall. Um, because I think um, it's really hard to have 
you know, I think everybody's going to be pushing for kids to be able to go back. So just some sense of normalcy at that point. Yeah. Uh, All right. So let me ask you this over the weekend, my wife and I watched this uh, Netflix documentary uh, about pandemics. Um, No, no, hang on, hang on. I think this is good. I think I'm going somewhere with this. (laughs) It wasn't some fictional thing. So it was um, on this, um, the series called, I think explained. Um, And it's all these like just different types of topics. And so they had one that was that was shot last year, just about pandemics in general. Um, and it was just from like a, a short documentary thing. But one of the things it was talking about, it really talked a lot about when SARS hit back in early mm-hmm. 2000s. And the conclusion of SARS more or less was basically it just kind of, it started to spread and then it just kind of died out. And there was never really a vaccine or there's never really any type of, of I don't know, solution other than it just went away. So is that a thing? Is that possible? Could that play out in this situation? I mean, it's possible. Anything's possible, right? Um, I think that it's hard to know if it's going to come back and come back worse, right? That's everybody's fear, right? And just like you have some flu seasons that are really bad because certain strains are really bad. Yeah. Um, there's no reason to think that that COVID-19 will be any different. So, um, you know, I think the the thing with SARS is we everybody got alarmed, but the the thing about COVID that's very different and the part about COVID that's very scary is that um, it's so contagious, like so contagious, right? We've had other things that are really scary, like Ebola, for example. Um, but the thing about Ebola is that it worked so quickly and so like it had so much mortality associated with it that people who got it died within a few days. And so they didn't have the ability to spread it. Um, Whereas with COVID, um, the problem is really that you get it, you might be asymptomatic forever. You may never show symptomatology, right? There was a study out of New York um, a few days ago, maybe even just yesterday. I don't know. Time seems very (laughs) these days. Um, But I think it might've been yesterday um, where they looked at actually a bunch of obstetrics patients who were coming in to deliver their babies and a significant percentage of them completely asymptomatic and tested positive for COVID 12.5%, I think is what the number was. Um, So it's out there. Um, And and I think that the the question is going to be, you know, do we ever get to a point where it's not there such that it can actually go away? Whereas with SARS, again, um, the, the presentation was a little bit different um, and that infectivity was different. And, you know, the, the amount of people that it could infect um, in a very short period of time was very different. Whereas here we're seeing that like, you know, you can trace back lots and lots of cases to one funeral or one, you know, and, and so that infectivity is so high that I don't see it going away completely. I think we're going to need a vaccine or, you know, something um, to really, certainly we have to understand the disease better. Um, And that's the other problem is that we really don't understand the disease well enough right now because it's so new and it, it came out of nowhere. I mean, in a relative, it's not that it wasn't there. It's not that people didn't know about it, but in terms of how quickly or how long we've been focusing on it as a medical community and doing research on it as a medical community, it it's really like our, our, the extent of our knowledge right now is not very high. And so um, you just fear that you, everyone's learning as they go, right? It's yeah. literally, oh, this worked on these three patients. Maybe there's something behind that. Let's dig into the science. But right. at the same time, everything is going on in the same, you know, so it's different than SARS is what I'm trying to say yeah. um, because the infectivity and, and you know, 
the way in which it's affecting people and the number of young people that are getting it and the number of people that are transmitting it without knowing it, those are all different factors that really impact how fast an epidemic or a pandemic can spread. And, and we're, we're definitely challenged on COVID in a different way. Um, SARS actually, I'll tell you, I mean, I joke around a little bit because I, the, my approach to SARS and COVID were so different. So when I was, SARS was actually, I just graduated college. Um, and I hate to say this, but I actually, I was backpacking in Southeast Asia when SARS hit. And wow. I was really like, um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it was just that I was young and I felt like I was invincible, but I mean, I spent two and a half months running around Thailand, Malaysia, Cambodia, wow. and Vietnam in the midst of SARS. And it wasn't, I mean, I graduated from Brown. I was on my way to med school at Penn. Like, it's not like I was oblivious to, you know, right. health or, um, or medical stuff, but it just didn't feel as real as this feels. Um, and, and the alarm, the degree of alarm wasn't there. I mean, my dad is a cardiologist and there's no way he would have let me do that if there was the same level of concern Right, about right. SARS as there is about COVID. So we've been hearing a lot in terms of the vaccine that, I mean, we're looking at maybe, you know, 18 months or longer by the time you think through the testing and the regulations mm -hmm. and the distribution and all that, that would need to go into it. Uh, does that feel like from your perspective, does that feel like a realistic timeline? Or do you feel like given the circumstances under normal conditions, 18 months, probably these are not yeah. normal conditions. So everyone, it's all hands on deck. So what's realistic in terms of a, of a potential timeline that this, something like this could. Uh, I mean, there are certain things that can't be accelerated, right? Like, certain safety things that can't be accelerated. And so, you know, we may get something that seems promising as early as tomorrow, right? We don't, we don't really know, but there's, there's a whole process there that I'm sure is going to be expedited in every single way possible um, because so much is riding on it. Um, but that said, you know, I think everybody's been really clear from the CDC level that we should not expect to see anything, you know, sooner than a year um, or maybe even a little bit longer than that. So um you know, I, I I don't have any expertise that's greater than than the CDC in that regard. So I'm going to stick with what they're saying and, and say it's probably going to be at least a year before we're before we get something that we can really put out there. All right. Before we let you go, yeah, you got any good news for us? Like anything? Good like, news. I know. Good give, news us, good. give us something um, <laughs> to say. Okay. And despite of all this, uh, and and how this is affecting the speaking industry, yeah, give us something to look forward to. Give us an upside here. I mean, I'm getting really good at Mario Kart. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've had a lot of family time, and that's good, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that that's. It. I don't know about you guys, but I know at least amongst the physician community, that is something that we have never had before. Um, you know, as a, my husband's a physician too, and as a dual physician family, we run the rat race a lot. And um, this has been good time for, you know, my husband has been practicing the guitar like crazy. We've been cooking up a storm. We've been playing video games with the family. I think that's, that's our silver lining at least, yeah. I think. <laughs> good. good. Well, Nisha, we appreciate you taking the time. We know that you have a lot going on. If people want to find out more about you, what you're up to, where can we go? Uh, nishamethamd.com. So you guys can see my name right there on the bottom there. So it's just N-I-S-H-A-M-E-H-T-A-M-D.com. And that'll link you to pretty much everything else I do in life. Awesome. Sounds good. Thanks awesome. for the time, Nisha. We appreciate Thank you. you. Have a good night. Stay safe, everyone. All right.
All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Nisha. Really good stuff there. Again, look for the podcast episode uh, that goes in depth with her coming out in the next couple of months or so. Hey, uh, as always, if there's anything we can do to help you support you during this difficult time, please don't hesitate to reach out. Let us know. We want to do whatever we can to serve and support you. The world needs your message, my friends. All right, so keep on keeping on. We'll talk to you soon. You're awesome.